well, good morning. You know, we, uh, until I, I came to the Grove, I, I didn't know what a bumper was. You know, that little thing that happens, like, between the music and somebody getting up, that little cool video or thing that always happens, that's called a bumper. And I'm uh, pretty excited that over this Christmas season, where we don't really have a nifty video or anything like that, we have... Uh, some families in our church that are going to come up and read some of these incredible passages about uh, the prophecies of Jesus coming and who he was and why this is so, so critical and, uh, and our expectation of his arrival. It's, uh, anyway, I just think that's really cool. So my name is Mark and uh, I'm excited to be here. This morning we're going to look at the first few verses of the book of John. And John is a book that has a, a whole lot of power. And um, when I found out that I was going to get to talk about it, I got, I got pretty excited. In fact, I talked to some folks this morning, and I felt like I could just say it. I mean, I could just read it and then kind of sit down. It, it has enough power that it just, if, if we'll just meditate on it for a second, it will, it will change the way we look at, at everything. But to kind of get us started, this past week, Terry and I, we were coming back through somewhere around Eureka Springs. Uh, Caleb had had a uh, wrestling tournament up in Berryville, and so we were coming back. It was really late. And I, I don't remember which fast food restaurant it was. I think it was Arby's. But they had an advertisement on their billboard that made me, like, it made me take a second look. And really, if I had been thirsty at all or, uh, you know, if it had been uh, early enough in the evening that they had been open, I would have, like, whipped in and gone and gotten me something to drink. Because catch this. They said that anybody who would come in there and buy a drink, purchase a drink of any size that they would offer free of charge a straw. <laughs> Seriously. It said, it said, free straw with any drink purchase. <laughs> which, I, which I just like, I just started laughing out loud. At least the next 200 feet, you know. I was like, man. Now, why is that funny? I spent the next, you know, 30 minutes driving thinking about that, you know. What? Why is it funny? Well, it's funny because in my whole life, now maybe you have, but in my whole life, I have never paid for my straw. Whether the restaurant has like zero dollar signs or five on the Yelp scale, whether, you know, I paid up front or, you know, got the ticket, I've never gone down through there and there's been a line item that said drinking straw. I just never have. In my whole life, that straw has been free. And so I just kind of take that straw for granted. And it's even hilarious to me to think that somebody would make a joke about giving it to me for free because it's free anyway. Now, it cost every place that you've ever gotten a straw, but it cost them something. Now, be it, it didn't cost them very much, but it cost them something. But you've gotten it for so long, and it's just been there, that you just kind of take it for granted. That's just what happens. I get a straw. Fact, think about it. They don't bring you a straw you have a little bit of a kind of an arrogant attitude. If you were asking for something else in the menu, you might, you might say, ma'am, could I please? But when it comes to the straw, you go, hey, dude, straw. You missed it. I mean, I've been waiting here. What's going on? You know? Because we expect it. We take it for granted. I think we do the exact same thing with, with Christmas and with Jesus. We have not known life without the presence of Jesus. Now, understand me, there's, 
There's different levels of that. There's the level and some of what we're going to talk about today that Jesus is real. And because he exists, there are things that you experience today that would look very different if he didn't. And then there's the reality that he's maybe been a part of your background and your upbringing. So maybe you've never really yielded your life to Jesus, but you grew up in a household where it was yielded to Jesus and his lordship. And you've experienced the blessing and the power of that, whether you realize it or not. So it's easy to just kind of take it for granted. And then some of us, maybe you yielded and put your personal trust in him, and that's been a long time ago. And so you've experienced life in Jesus for so many years that you've just kind of forgotten or gotten used to it or kind of just taken it for granted. Or Christmas, I mean, think about it. Unless you've spent some time in your life overseas in a place that doesn't, that doesn't celebrate Christmas, every December there have been, you know, lights and there's been a, a tree and there's been the story told in some form or fashion about the Messiah coming to take away the sins of the world. You, you're so used to it that it's easy just to kind of take it for granted. And what we're hoping in this series through December that we're calling Illuminate we're hoping that it'll, uh, it'll do something in us. But we won't just take it for granted. And I believe that, that John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 that we're going to look at today is, is a really, really good start to that. But before we do, when I say the book of John, I know there's, there's got to be some folks in the room that are like, all right, so tell, tell me something about who this John is and, and why we're reading a book that he wrote. All right, so... John is one of the Gospels, which means there are these four books that are written about the life of Jesus by people who are, had an eyewitness account. And I love it because it's, it gives us these different pictures of the story of Jesus. The same story, but these are very different men who had very different perspectives. You got Luke who, you know, he's a doctor, and so he's real specific in the way that he describes it. You got Matthew, you know, an accountant, and he's, he's like, man, he's very detailed. Now, those guys and those kind of accounts... I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't really jive as much with it. I mean, I get it, I'm glad that it's there, I pick up on it, but John is my man. Because, because John is, a, is kind of a, a passionate, almost a poet, uh, a story, it's, it's heart. And you, you feel it in the way that it comes out, man. He, he talks about Jesus as one whom he loved and whom he was loved by. John is one of the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, that got to be in special times like the transfiguration with Jesus. They, they got to go a little bit deeper in the Garden of Gethsemane. They got to have a, a close, intimate relationship with him. John's an interesting cat because in the book, he never says, hey, I'm John, I'm writing the book. Instead, he, he talks about himself in third person. And it's kind of funny, like at the Lord's Supper, he says, uh, you know, this guy that was sitting next to Jesus, the, the one whom he loved. I just think that's really funny. Just talking about himself, he's like, you know, there were a lot of guys at the table, but right now I'm talking about the dude that was right next to him and the one he loved, you know? There's another place that's really funny when, uh, at the resurrection, when he and Peter find out, he, he tells the story that he and Peter, they, they run there, and it's a foot race, and he lets us know that he won. And he was the first one to get there. You know, he was a little bit faster than Peter. Just, just to kind of add that in there, hey, you know, by the way, I beat him. I was there first. Uh, John is also this, uh, what I would call like uh, the red letter gospel, if you know what I mean. Like if you've got a Bible where the words of Jesus are, are colored in red, 
and you go to John. I mean, you know, all the Gospels have a lot of quotes of Jesus, but it just feels like in John, you're just, it's just quote after quote after quote, direct quotes of Jesus and the things that he had to say and had to, had to say about himself, which to me is just really powerful. In fact, if somebody comes up to me and they're just kind of starting to get interested in Jesus and what this whole thing's about, and they ask, where should I go to in my Bible? I'll always say, man, go to John. And for me, the reason is because if you're going to know Jesus and you got a book that's him talking about himself, go there first, read it, and I promise you, you get it from the horse's mouth, man. Listen, listen to it, read it. And this book is just so full of that. In fact, today we're going to look at very, several different things that Jesus says about himself. John tells us in uh, chapter 20 of his, of his gospel why he wrote the book. He gives us a direct answer. So this book was written. Why was it written? He says it this way. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the reason it was written. And so here we go. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Normally, we would go, you know, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and kind of break it down that way. Uh, I'm going to flip it upside down. We're going to start at verse 5 and work our way up. I just uh, feel like it'll be a lot, a lot clearer that way. So if we look at verse 5, look what it says. The light shines in the darkness. The light who, uh, another word, a term used to describe Jesus. This is, this is talking about Jesus. He's, he's the light. We know that for a lot of reasons, but one, in John chapter 8, Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He also says in John chapter 12, I have come into the world as light, so whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. So here Jesus is the light. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is light. Now, why does that matter? You know, light, talking about things that we take for granted, light is one of those things that we really, really, really take for granted. You know, people, humans, we have an innate fear, two innate fears that we're just kind of born with. Darkness and death. Darkness is something that we fear, but think about it. In your life, when have you really, really known utter, complete, total, blackout darkness? What room have you ever been in? What place have you ever been where if you sat there long enough, some light wouldn't creep through some corner or some crevice enough that you could make out your hand in front of your face? When have you ever been in, in utter darkness? You know, it's, it's one of those things. If it had happened to you, you would remember it. Because the military uses it as one of the, the most powerful ways that they can, they can torture a prisoner or get information from somebody. They put them in a room of utter darkness. And you might go, oh, all right, I mean, 
That's, I've heard of torture, and that doesn't sound very torturous. So I read an article the other day about some guys who just tested it on these guys. that They put these two guys in, this, in each separate, in these uh, holding cells that were total, were, it was total darkness. And the guy's writing this article saying, I really thought that I would walk in and 48 hours in total darkness was going to be nothing. He said, man, three hours in, four hours in, ten hours in, I started, I started to see things and I, my mind started to mess with me. A day in, I wasn't sure where I was. I started to hallucinate. I started to think all, every horrible thing I could about things that were happening to my family, my brain. Then body, his body started to, to, to react to it. Basically, the darkness would ultimately kill him, both his, his mind and his body. You take light away, a lot of really, really bad things happen. But look what it says. It says, the light overcomes the darkness. Now, right now, back at your home, there's a, a closet and the door's shut. And behind that closet, we can all probably agree that behind that closet, unless you got a kid that left the light on, which is probably true at my house, but let's assume that all the lights got turned off. Behind that closet door, it's, it's dark. Except for the little places where light has crept into the room, which is a really, really good point. Because the darkness isn't seeping out the cracks in the door. The darkness isn't trying to escape. Light is overtaking the darkness. In fact, when you open up that door, does the darkness jump out on you? No. Never has happened. You've never opened a door to a dark room and the darkness came out. No. Light attacked the darkness and overcame it. All right? Always light wins. In fact, darkness is simply the absence of light. Because when light is present, darkness runs. And so light wins every time. The light overcomes the darkness. And our Jesus is the light. And he wins. Darkness can't win. Someone who's not the light can't win, but the light overcomes the darkness. I love it how uh, in Matthew chapter 8, there's this place where Jesus comes across these two guys who are demon-possessed, and the demons speak out to Jesus, and they say this. They say, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? First of all, they recognize that he's the Son of God. And then they say, have you come to torment us before the time? We can learn a whole lot from that. They recognize that he's the son of God. They recognize that he will ultimately win. That light overcomes darkness. And then they ask the question, are you going to torment us now or are you going to allow us to stay during this time? Because we know the day comes when we lose. When lightness is there, darkness loses. And Jesus is our light. And, uh, and we've chosen, there's a lot of different things that we're going to look at, but we've chosen, you notice the name of the series, Illuminate, to really bring attention to this fact that the light has come. That's who Jesus is. And this became very real to me when my family was living overseas because we were in a place where the big holiday is called Diwali. And Diwali happens at the end of October, right around my birthday. And it's it's crazy. I mean, Diwali is the celebration of, of light. 
and specifically light overcoming the darkness. And it's kind of built on all these different uh, Hindu mythology, these different stories of these different deities and, and the light overcoming the darkness. And there's still this question that kind of remains. What, what's the light that's going to overcome the darkness ultimately? And what they do, they, they light candles everywhere and, and uh, you, you know, put lights all over your house and you exchange gifts. And so it feels a lot like Christmas in, in some ways, except that it's also 4th of July. They shoot fireworks. And one of the things you've got to love about, about fireworks in a place like that is uh, there's not really a lot of rules or regulations to, to fireworks. And so they are little bombs. And it just like, I mean, it's loud when you're talking about 20 million people in a city and these uh, bombs are all going out. In fact, I've flown over the city uh, on Diwali before and it just looks like boom, boom underneath the plane, man. You feel like you're in a war zone. In our house, well, when we were there one Diwali, we, uh, we just kind of, we weren't actually in the street shooting the fireworks because I was kind of afraid the boys were little. And, uh, and we cracked the door open to let somebody in and there was so much of that fireworks smoke that it just, I mean, a crack in the door totally filled the room where we couldn't really see each other. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. So, so anyway, one of my friends, uh, his name was Abhishek. We've been talking a lot about who Jesus was, and, and he had become very, very interested in him. And so he started asking more and more and more pointed questions. And one of his questions to me was, hey, Mark, if I follow this Jesus... What does Diwali look like? Because this is a huge time for my family. We all gather together. We do all these different traditions. And what will that mean if, if I follow Jesus? And I said, man, here's the truth. I've grown up in a different place, and I don't really have a good answer for you because I'm not from here. But I know a guy, a friend of mine, who does, who follows Jesus and grew up in the same place and way that you did. So we took a long trip to go visit this guy, and we sit down across from him, and I said, Abhishek, ask him any question you want to ask him. And one of his first questions was, what do I do with Diwali? If I follow Jesus, what do I do with Diwali? And I loved it, man. Because <laughs> this guy, this guy kind of sat back in his seat, and he said, what do you mean, what do you do with Diwali? What is Diwali? And he said, it's the celebration of the light. He said, the celebration of the light overcoming the darkness. He said, we just got through talking about it. Jesus is the light, the light that overcomes the darkness. Finally, you get to celebrate a Diwali and celebrate the one who actually has the power to overcome the darkness. Go celebrate Diwali with your family and give worship to the one who has the power to actually overcome the darkness. He said, I celebrate Diwali more than anybody. Because actually to worship the one who has the power to overcome the darkness. Go light your candle and worship Jesus. Go shoot your fireworks and worship Jesus. Go know when you talk to your family that there is one who overcomes the darkness. And I went, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that was sweet, man. And today still, man, I was, I was back in Indian October and my friends gave me the, it's called a dia. That's a real kind of specific candle, old, old school candle. And, uh, and I saved them for Christmas. Because we're going to lie to them and talk about that. Because it's one of those parts of Christmas that we don't talk about a whole lot. But that's what happened when Jesus came. The light came to overcome the darkness. And the darkness loses when light comes. And this says that Jesus is the light. And then verse 4. And I promise we'll work faster. because we. <laughs> verse 4 says, And in, uh, let's see, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. So in him, 
is life. The fountain of life, the beginning of life, the place where life comes from. You don't go somewhere else and get life. Life is in him. And that power of that life, this light is life-giving light. It comes from a power source of life. And there's only one place that that life comes from, and that's, that's Jesus. Now, again, just like darkness is the absence of light, death is the absence of life. It's the reason we say that somebody lost their life. We, you watch the vital signs and they go away and, and life is gone. That's when death begins. But when life is present, death runs. And you know, life is another one of those things that I just think we are really bad about taking for granted. Would you agree? I mean, I, I, it's just crazy to me how I will go along and fumble through life and do my thing and do my days and then someone that I know or someone close to me will pass. And I'll go to a funeral. And it's almost like I've been, I get reminded again. Oh, yeah, we die. You know? Oh, yeah, I, I better appreciate this day that I get. I better appreciate these people around me. I better take notice of each moment. Because our days are numbered and death is coming. I just take life for granted. Isn't it crazy how we fumble along and just take it for granted? And in Jesus being the life, we, we take it for granted that he sustains life, both physical life, so we've got, we've got life on this planet. But what's more important is our spiritual life because these bodies end, but our, our spirits go on. And Jesus says it, John chapter 17, he gives the, the definition of spiritual life, of eternal life. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he says, life is being connected to Jesus. Death is being separated from Jesus. And that's much more than just physically, that's spiritually. Eternity. Life is with him. Death is apart from him. He has life. If you're connected to him, you have life. If you're disconnected from him, you don't. John chapter 10, he says, the thief, the enemy, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he says that he came that they may have life, and not just normal life, but life abundantly, life that's overflowing. He says in John chapter 14 that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father, to God, except through Jesus, that he's the life. So what difference does it make? Light and life. What does it matter? 2017, December, Fayetteville, Arkansas. What difference does it make? I would argue makes it, that it makes all the difference. A few years ago, uh, Terry and I were in Colorado in the summer, and it was the perfect day. I'm talking the, the sun was out. It was warm, but not too warm, you know, just perfect for shorts and chacos and t-shirt. We were with a bunch of friends. We decided to go uh, whitewater raft in, in a river, you know, and I was pretty excited about it. So we get there, and we go to check in, and, you know, they give you, man, they, they scare you to death, right? You're going to die on this river, but sign here. It's going to be all right. So we go through, and we, we're paying a lot of money to go ride this thing, and I'm not really excited about that. And then when we're checking out, he says, for this and this and this and then for your, for your wetsuit. <laughs> wetsuit. 
Now, side note, if you want to make me upset, try to upsell me on something that I don't think I need. That's the reason I'm not good at, like, tourist places when everybody's trying to sell you stuff. And I, it, just makes me, it just makes me angry. Like, man, just, no, just take your stuff, go sell it to somebody who cares. I don't care. This guy was trying to upsell me a wetsuit, and everybody else was doing it, a bunch of idiots. And I'm like, I'm like keep, keep your wetsuit. He looked at me like I, was, I wasn't very smart, you know? And I, I kind of took that as him being cocky. And so I, got, I said, man, I don't want your wetsuit. He said, man, you really need the wetsuit. I, yeah, I need a wetsuit, man. Other guy that's with me who is also a pastor in Fayetteville now, he's like, yeah, that's right, man. I ain't taking a wetsuit either. I said, all right, I'll let you guys go without a wetsuit, but you're likely going to die. And we just, yeah, whatever. So we jump in the boat. We're going down the river. And at first, you know, it's kind of easy going, you know, lazy river kind of stuff. But this is, a, this is a pretty big river. First little rapids we hit, little white water, water splashes up on us. And I kid you not, those water drops that <laughs> felt like razor blades that were like scraping my bones. I mean, it was, it was painful. Those things were so cold. And it hit, and I, I was in the front of the boat, and my people behind me didn't see me. Uh, Terry noticed and was letting me know how stupid I was. But I... I was just like, oh my goodness gracious. And I was just thinking, this is going to be a long day. And I look over at the other dude, he's in a different boat, and he's looking back at me, and he's thinking the same thing. I mean, he's just in pain. So we make it through the day, but seriously, if we had fallen in, I don't know what would have happened, because we were just so cold. And I, I saw a picture not long ago of this day, and we're all kind of there at the end, and everybody's happy and smiling in their wetsuits, and me and him are blue. We are Blue, like in the picture, we're blue, and our lips are blue, and it was just, it was just horrible. And I learned that day, see, I had, I had been in a whitewater raft in, you know, uh, Georgia, and I had kayaked in Arkansas in the summers, and I found out that rainwater in Arkansas and snowmelt in Colorado are two very, very different things. They're two very, very different things. And that a wetsuit was not an upsell. It was not an add-on. It was a critical part of the equipment to survive the day. I'm telling you, Jesus is not an add-on or an upsell. He doesn't just make your life better. He is the source of life in the only way that it's possible. He makes all the difference. It's not just one among many. He is the one. In fact, move on to this, uh, this next verse 3. It says, all things, all things were made through him. And in case you didn't catch the first part, and without him, not anything that was ma- uh, anything made that was made. All things were created by him. He's the creator. Hold up. Jesus, the creator, the one who made it all. In fact, Colossians says it this way in in chapter 1. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and ultimately for him. Jesus, creator. That means that in the same way that there's darkness and he brings light, and there's death and he brings life, he was the one that there was nothing. And he made something. 
You know, there's a lot of things that get made, right? And there are people who make stuff, but they take something that, was already, that already existed and they reform it and make something new. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the one that went from nothing to something, right? Nothing, something. Only Jesus. And it doesn't leave any room for anything else that was made apart from him. It says everything. And in case you didn't get it, not one thing was made apart from him because he's the only one who has the power to take nothing and make something. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, in the beginning, he was in the beginning with God. Hold up. Before there was anything, before anything was made, of course he has to be. If he's the creator, he has to exist before any created thing. He was there at the beginning. And it says he was there at the beginning with God. So that means in the beginning there was Jesus and there was, there was God. And, and if we did more of a study, we would see that the Spirit of God is also there. And so we have we have these uncreated beings, and they're all separate. He was with God. But then look at the next verse. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and that's, that's talking about Jesus. I'll explain that in a second. It, 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 he was the Word. He, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he was standalone, and at the same time, fully God. So there's this one God, and there's these three distinct people, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is there. Creator, God. And somebody may have come to your house in the past or come to your house today and say, um, actually that says, and they'll have a book that looks kind of like this, and if you turn to John chapter 1, it'll say, and the, and the word was a God, as, as if he was just one among many. And somebody else might come to you and say, but he was great, and he was a great teacher, and he was a good man, but he was, he was just a man. What difference does it make that this says that he's God? Well, I think the best way to explain it is by talking about Clark Griswold for a second. You know, when you watch Christmas Vacation this year, and you get down to the end of the story, and you got Cousin Eddie... And they got a problem, right? I mean, Clark wants his pool. And he's not going to get his pool this year because the boss took away Christmas bonuses. And he's going to have to deal with the jelly subscription. And there's really no way to fix this problem. Cousin Eddie would sure like to help out Clark. All the rest of the family would sure like to help him out. Clark would like to help himself out. But guess what? They, they can't fix the problem. But among the group, there's one guy who has the wisdom on how to fix this problem. He's the most humble, I guess, among the bunch. Cousin Eddie makes the trip over to the boss's house. He gets the boss, the only one who has the power to do this, and he brings him back over to the house, and the boss says, tell you what, I'm going to give you a Christmas bonus, and even more than that, I'm going to double it. Nobody could do that but the boss. Why does it matter that Jesus is God? Because nobody can set you free of sin and death. Nobody can overcome darkness in your life. Nobody can do these things that we're talking about. A man can't do that. Only God does that. And if you want any hope, if you're going to have any, if we're going to have any, if our world's going to have any, then it requires yielding, stopping, and going to the source of life and light. And that's Jesus.
So learn something from Cousin Eddie today. You know, this morning we're stepping into this Christmas season and I hope that maybe this opens up just a glimpse. That if your love for Jesus is weak, if your knowledge of him is small, if you've missed out on who he is, then today is the day to stop and to yield and to recognize that he is incredible and he is the only hope. For me, for you, for us, he is the only hope. Nobody else, nobody else can make those claims. And that's the reason why John goes, man, let me spend all these chapters telling you how incredible he is. That's the reason that they took him and killed him because Jesus made the claim to be God and they couldn't handle it. The question is, this morning, will you accept it? Let me pray for us.